The scripture reading today is from Romans 11, 33 to 12, 2. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This place fills up when all the kids are up here. Pretty cool. I think I'm going to stand up front here, right around here, so that I'm right in front of the fan. I have my own personal fan here. Uh, I need that fan. Let me pray. Father, would you please be with us in these next few minutes to open our minds and hearts to your word. Teach us, Lord, so that we might know how to love and serve and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are going to be taking a break from the Gospel of Matthew, which, uh, kids, we've been preaching for oh, a year or so now. Through the Gospel of Matthew, verse by verse and paragraph by paragraph, and uh, it's been great, it's been wonderful to see about King Jesus and learn all that we can about who our Savior is. Uh, and we're going to get back to that in a couple of months, but for the next couple of months, uh, we're going to take a break from that and do some teaching about worship. We, we want to hear from God, we want to learn from God how we are to worship, how we are to serve him. We all have our own styles of worship we have, all have our own ways of worship, but we need to learn and we want to help you learn what God says our worship should include and what it should be like. So over the next eight or ten weeks, we're going to be thinking about worship and looking at it from different angles. This week, as I was thinking about this, I, the question came to my mind, well, what is worship? If you really stop to think about it, what is worship? And, and what came to me was something really simple that I think every one of us here can remember, right down to the youngest child. Worship is giving God what he deserves. Worship is giving God what he deserves. That's easy enough, right? Think you can do that? Can you, 
Can you say that with me? Worship is giving God what he deserves. Now, if I were to say to you, okay, what do you think God deserves? How would you answer? He deserves our love. He deserves our faith. He deserves our praise. He deserves our thankfulness. He deserves our obedience. He deserves our devotion. He deserves our giving. He deserves our serving. He deserves everything. Everything. Worship is what? Giving God what he deserves. As we read the Bible, as we study God's word, we see that this is how worship is described in a number of places. It's described in terms of what God deserves, what he is worthy of. So, for example, in Psalm 18 and verse 3, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. What does that mean? He deserves our praise. In Psalm 96, ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory, do his name. What does that mean? Give him the glory he deserves. In Jeremiah 10, there is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is great in might. Who would not fear you, O King of the nations? For this is your due. Lord, you deserve us to reverence you, to fear you, to respect you. What does it mean to worship God? Worship is giving God what he deserves. So in Revelation chapter 4, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Worthy are you, our Lord and God. And you say that worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. You created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Lord, you deserve to receive glory. You deserve to receive honor and power because you've made everything. And in Revelation 5, worthy is the lamb who was slain. See, worship is giving God what he deserves. Let's be clear. When we give God what he deserves, it doesn't mean that he needs what we're giving him. God doesn't need anything, right? God has it all already. Everything belongs to him. And when we give him worship and praise, we're not giving him something that he doesn't already have. We are simply saying and living in such a way that we are declaring he is worth all of this. If I, if I come up to you, if there, if there was somebody here who was really, really, really strong, I'm not saying anyone. If, if, if there was someone here who was really, really, really strong, and let's just make believe it's Rick. <laughs> and, I, and I come up to Rick, and I say, wow, you are strong. I'm not making Rick 
strong. He already is strong. But I am praising his strength. If you come up to me and say, Pastor Tim, you are really, really handsome. I got more of a laugh than you. You are really handsome. And if you just said that you were, you know, that wouldn't make me handsome. I wish it was that easy. That wouldn't make me handsome. It wouldn't make me handsomer. If, in fact, I was handsome and you said, oh, Pastor Tim, you are handsome, you would simply be praising what already is. When we, when we praise and worship God, we are not making him. When it says in Revelation, you are worthy, you deserve to receive power, that doesn't mean we're giving him power. It means that we are praising his power. He already is all-powerful, all-wonderful, all-glorious. But worship is the experience that God puts inside of our hearts when we come to faith in Jesus, when we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and earned our way into God's favor. Worship is the response of our heart where we say to our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are worthy, you are wonderful, you deserve everything. You deserve everything from us. Worship is giving God what he deserves. Now today, what I want us to think about for a few minutes is this. Worship is giving God what he deserves by giving him all of my life. Worship is giving God what he deserves by giving him all of my life. That's what our text, Romans 12, especially verses 1 and 2, teach us. By the way, it is great having you kids here. I love looking out and seeing you here. And by the way, parents, if there are noises your children make, don't worry about it. We love the noises. It's part of the joy of being here together. Don't fret over it. I remember as a parent, a father of six kids, I was most conscious of the noise my children were, were making rather than anybody else's noise. Don't worry about it. I mean, if they start screaming and hollering and raising the roof, then maybe you want to escort them out. But otherwise, just let them enjoy and let us enjoy them. Children, worship is real. Adults, God is real. Our faith is real. Our love for Jesus is real. Our singing and praying and giving are all real expressions of worship. We are giving God what he deserves. We are praising him. Let me ask you, how many of you children have ever seen your dad or your mom really all excited watching a football game. Anybody ever see that happen? Was it watching the Eagles? Uh, some other team. Okay. Oh, the Bears, that's right. Bears fans. Can you believe it? A non-Eagles fan here. Oh, wait. So, well, you know, what, what happens? Some of you didn't catch that last part of that. But 
what, why, why do moms and dads get all excited? They get all excited because their hearts are in it, right? They're, they're fans. They, they love their team. And, and when their team scores, they want to cheer. They want to yell. They want to holler. Sometimes they dance around the room and do all kinds of weird things. That's Because that's what fans do. Now, real fans don't just show up on Super Bowl Sunday, right? And real fans don't even really just show up at game time each Sunday. Real fans spend at least a little bit of time during the week keeping up on their team, right? Real fans want to read about their team. Real fans want to keep current on what's happening. Real fans are not just Sunday fans. They're all week long fans. You see where this is going. Real worship is not just a Sunday experience. Real worship is an all week long, all life long experience. Real worship happens every day, all day long, whenever we give to God what he deserves. And it's that all of life worship that I want us to notice here. If your Bibles are open, please keep your Bibles open and we're gonna, we're gonna move through this pretty quick. But just follow it again in Romans 12 and verse one. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Notice that. Giving yourself as a living sacrifice. Another way of saying giving God all of your life is an act of spiritual worship. Giving God what he deserves. What does he deserve? He deserves me. He deserves all of me, not just on Sunday. He deserves me every day. He deserves my full surrender to him. Worship is giving God what he deserves by giving him all of our life. As we look at this text, there's just two things I want us to see quickly in terms of headings. I want us to see the motivation for this all of life giving of ourselves to God. Why in the world would we do this? How in the world can we give our lives to God? What's the motivation? And then quickly, the meaning of it. What does it actually mean to give our lives in their fullness to the Lord? First of all, the motivation. You'll notice in verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God, to present yourself to God. Paul says to us, I appeal to you, I plead with you, I beg you, I earnestly ask you, give yourself to God. And do this by the mercies of God. In other words, by the motivation and strength and inspiration that God's mercies in your life produces, give yourself to God. And, and Paul says, 
I, I, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, and again, by now you know this, if you've been paying attention here for any length of time, you know that if there's a therefore, it is telling you to look backwards in the text, in the scriptures, to look at what comes before. In this case, this therefore, when Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, on the basis of what I've already said, on the basis of what's come before us, I appeal to you, therefore, present yourself to God. Now, what is it there for? Well, it's the mercies of God that are taught to us in Romans 1 through 11. And I wish I had about three hours right now. What are the mercies of God that God gives to us as his children, as God gives to us who believe in him? Well, in chapters 1 through 5, the mercy that God gives to us is called, it's called justification, acceptance, forgiveness. It means no matter how many sins we have committed, no matter how bad those sins may be, no matter how full of grief and shame and sorrow we are over those sins, if we believe that Jesus died for those sins on the cross, we are forgiven of all of those sins. And we are forgiven now and forever. That's a mercy. That's one of the great mercies of God. In Romans 6 and 7, we learn that another mercy of God is that he actually, by his Holy Spirit, who lives inside of us, I know it's a little tough to figure out how the Holy Spirit can live inside of us, but he does, he, he, he helps us and strengthens us, and by his help and strength, we can actually start sinning less and becoming more holy. That's a mercy. And then in Romans 8, oh, Romans 8 is full of the mercies of God, that we are the adopted sons and daughters of God. Do you know, kids, do you know adults? That if you trust in Jesus as your Savior right here, right now, not in some kind of mystical, vague, fuzzy way, but in reality, according to a decree that has been issued from the throne of heaven itself, you are an adopted son or daughter of God. This is not just symbolism. This is reality. God in heaven has made you his child. What a mercy. And in Romans 8, we are told that once God has set his adopting love upon us, nothing can separate us from that love. Nothing going on in your life. No thing in your life can separate you from the love of God. That's a mercy. We find out in Romans 9 through 11 that all of this mercy is owed to the sovereign will and grace of God. He chose us before we chose him. I don't know about you, but I was running at breakneck speed away from God. When God reached down and said, nope, you're mine. You're mine. And he's done that in so many of the hearts and lives that are here this afternoon. God in his sovereign grace and initiative reached down just as we were plunging to our ruin and God said you're mine. That's the mercy of God. And Paul now says in Romans chapter 12 I appeal to you therefore 
by or because of the mercies of God to present yourselves a living sacrifice to God. Notice this. Living for God is a response to God's mercies. It is not a reason for God's mercies. Do you see the difference? Living your life for God is a response to God's mercy. We've already received the mercies of God. We already have all things in Christ. He is our Father. We are His children. He loves us. He's forgiven us. He's chosen us. He's adopted us. Nothing can separate us from His love. We already have all of that. Now, living for Him is not the reason He gives us all of that. It's our response to Him because He's already given us all of that. It's all the difference between trying to say, okay, man, I've got to live a good life. I've got to do it all right. I've got to get all the commandments right. Give a certain amount of money. Do all this, this, that, and the other thing. And maybe, just maybe, at the end, God will have mercy on me. No. The gospel is God has done it all for you. God has loved you. God has given his son to die for you. God has raised up his son as Lord today. Jesus reigns as king. Jesus has done it all for you. We respond in faith, and then, having received the mercies of God, we now live for the glory of God. Because he is worthy. What is worship? It is giving God what he deserves. It is giving God what he and all of his abounding mercies to us deserves. And so as we look at this text, here, here's what it means to worship God with all of your life. There are just four things that we'll touch on quickly. Worshiping God in an all-of-life kind of way is, number one, giving our bodies to serve him. Number two, giving our minds to know him. Number three, giving our attention to hear him. And number four, giving our wills to obey him. This is all in the text that's right in front of us. First of all, all of life worship involves giving our bodies to serve him. What does Paul say? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, which is your spiritual worship. Couldn't get much clearer, right? Couldn't get much plainer than that. Paul says, you're to give your body to God. This, this body is not my own. This body belongs to him. And so every part of my body is to be devoted to him as a living sacrifice. So how do we give our bodies to God? Well, one way we do this is by making sure to use our bodies to use our strength in ways that are holy, in ways that are honorable. So I worship God and give him what he deserves when I work hard with my body. I worship and honor God when I use my body and its strength to 
show mercy to others, when I use my body to work justice in this world, when I use my body to provide for the poor or to visit the sick or to show hospitality to others, or when, as we've just heard from Brother Kevin, I use my tongue to tell other people about Jesus. Whenever I use my body in ways that are holy and honorable to the Lord, I am giving him what he deserves. And I also give him what he deserves when I make sure as much as I can with God's help not to use my body in ways that are unholy and dishonorable. So I, I need to try by God's help and God's grace to use this body in a way that serves God and doesn't sin. So I, I need to make sure that as best I can I'm not a glutton which ruins my body, or I'm not a drunk that ruins my body. I need to make sure by God's grace and help that I, I don't give my body to sin, that I don't give my body to someone who is outside of marriage, physically so. I need to make sure that I don't give my body to laziness and I don't give my body to self-indulgence. I want to glorify God with my body. It means that I use my body in ways that are honorable and holy and I keep my body from things that are sinful and unholy. That's part of all of life worship before God. By using our bodies to serve him. Second, all of life worship is giving our minds to know him. Did you notice it in Romans 12 and verse 2? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We, we all, how do we say this? Our minds are really messed up, aren't they? You ever notice that about yourself? I notice it. We think the wrong things, we get confused, we think the opposite of the truth and believe the opposite of the truth, and, and we just, we're, we're just messed up. We, we, need, we all need a good mind renewal plan. I'll bet you you have a financial plan and some kind of diet plan, some kind of exercise plan, some kind of retirement plan, some kind of, I don't know, save up for the house plan, save up for the college kids in college plan. I bet you you have a dozen plans. Do you have a mind renewal plan? Do you have a plan by which you will give your mind to God and allow him to renew your mind, to, to make it new, to make it different, to make it think the kind of thoughts that he wants it to think? What's a mind renewal plan look like? Can I, can I suggest that it, it starts with your Bible? How about that? Let's start there. How about starting with your Bible? That's God's mind renewal plan right there. Read the Word. Study the Word. Be in places where the Word is taught. One reason why Sunday worship in your own local church is so important because week after week after week 
you hear the preaching of God's word from men whom God has appointed to watch over your souls to help you renew your mind. Because we need that. I need that. We need to be in the word. We need to hear preaching. We need to read good books. Have you visited the book nook lately? We have, we have a treasure in that little back corner, so insignificant, so small, so seemingly inconsequential. There is a treasure of amazing books ready to be read to renew your mind to change the way you think and the things you believe. This is, we need a mind renewal plan. All of life, worship involves giving our minds to know God. And then third, involves giving our attention to hear God. Giving our attention to hear God. Listen, listen carefully to verse two of Romans 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is Paul saying here? Paul is saying, make sure God's children, sons and daughters of God, Make sure that you're paying attention to God and not to other voices. Do not be conformed to this world. In other words, don't take your thoughts, your perspectives, your view of life, your view of morality, your view of anything from the world. Don't listen, don't be distracted by the world. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Rather, give your undistracted attention to God. Let your mind be renewed so that you can give your attention to God. Here's a, here's a simple exercise for you to just do on your own. Here's, here's the question that I want to challenge you and exhort you to consider. How much word time is in your life compared to world time in your life? How much word time compared to world time? You understand what I mean there? How much time each week do you give to God's Word? You know, if you're in church on a Sunday, that's about 90 minutes. Uh, if you read your Bible 15 minutes a day, that's another X amount of hours. Maybe you have a couple of conversations. Maybe you go to... Uh, community group, you get a little bit of word there, and maybe, maybe, maybe in a given week, you have five or six hours of word time. How many hours of world time do you have? Think about it. Conversations at work, listening to NPR or Rush Limbaugh or, or CNN or Fox News or your favorite music station on the way in to work and back from work or it's on all day long in your home. How much TV time? How much TV time? How many hours given to sitcoms? How many hours given to TV dramas? How many hours given to reality shows? Just think about it. How much world time versus how much word time? 
what happens is that as we listen more and more to the world, we become more and more like the world. What it means to worship God is to give him all of life. That, that means that we give our bodies to serve him. It means that we give our minds to know him. It means that we give our attention, undistracted attention, to hear him. And then finally, we give our wills to obey him. Everything about Romans 12, 1 and 2, is about a call to obedience. Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Know what is the good and acceptable and pleasing will of God. And he means that. Don't just know it up here. Know it in here. Obey it. Do it. All of life worship is when we give God what he deserves. And what does he deserve from you? What does he deserve from me? He deserves, he deserves all of life. And he deserves these four realities, these four commitments, these four areas of surrender in our lives. He deserves that our bodies serve him, that our minds know him, that our attention belongs to him, that our wills obey him. So, as I close, I think we're going to want to just spend a couple of moments, and Leo's going to come and lead us here, a couple of moments just to pause and reflect. To ask the question, whether we're adults, whether we're 80 years old or 8 years old or 8 minutes old, are we worshiping God are we giving to him what he deserves from us? And as we pray on this and think on this, may God by his spirit work powerfully in us. Leo, if you please. Leo's not here. That's all right. Let me, uh, yeah, Steve plays. Um, Leo, are you still available? Or are you, this is a, uh, he was serving God by serving his children. So, and that's real, by the way. That's real. We serve God in many ways, including, as we've seen in dedication, raising up our children to know and love the Lord Jesus. So Leo's been serving, but he's going to serve us now.